You have reached the Geek Elite. Good luck. No, if I can make it awkward or uncomfortable, I will. And it's not because I want to, it's just my nature. The future comes, and now my watch begins. It shall not end until my death. I shall miss no game, withhold no news, report all rumors. I shall wear no jerseys, and plead allegiance to no side. I shall live and die on my webpage. I am the word in the darkness. I am the watcher of the TV. I am the megaphone that informs the realms of geek. I pledge my hands and name to the Geek's Watch, for the Geeks and all the Geeks to come. Welcome back for another shift on the Geek's Watch. This week we are here talking about the Falcon and the Winter Soldier. We are on episode two, The Star-Spangled Man. Uh, obviously a, ref- a reference back to the, the Captain America theme song from the, his USO trips, the star spangled man mm-hmm. with plan. Uh, but before that, as always, we're going to get into our week's watch. So let's get right into that. Elizabeth, what did you watch this week? So this week I watched the first episode of the new mighty ducks. TV show on Disney Plus, Mighty the Mighty Ducks Game Changers. That's right. And in this one, the Mighty Ducks are the bad guys. That's right. Ooh. (laughs) Essentially, they are the the same as the Hawks from the first movie. Yeah. They've become so popular and famous that they're jerks. Yep. Ish. Ish. Like, no, yes. Okay. There's no ish about oh. it. Well, uh, okay. That's fair. <laughs> There's no ish about it. Um, you know, so it opens, I guess, it just came out, so I can't even really talk about what happens in the episode. Um, no, you can talk. I mean, that's what we do on, on for the this show. Is, yeah. this, is a, this is a full week of Disney Plus new content spoiler reviews. Okay, that's right. Um, so... Starts out, kid, single mom, kid is has been on the Ducks, the Mighty Ducks team, but he's going to the 12 to 14 age bracket and basically gets told, eh, you're not good enough to be on the Mighty Ducks team anymore, so you really shouldn't bother playing hockey, because like, if you're not good enough to Ooh. be on the best team, don't bother. And so mom what? kind of, <laughs> so mom flips out, goes viral for flipping out on the coach, um, and decides that they should just start their own team. So they have three days to put together this ragtag team that she ends up being the coach of and ends up finding the only ice hockey rink, which is owned and operate is the ice palace, which is owned and operated by the coach from the original mighty ducks who claims to just hate hockey and not actually do anything. It's very cheesy. It's very awkward. It made me very uncomfortable. Oh, no. <laughs> I, only because I don't do cringy stuff. And this is all about the cringe. 
It is entirely mm. about the cringe. Um, I think part of it was I did not in, I mean, it was good because I was planning on doing a week's watch today, which got pushed for other stuff, but I was not actually planning on watching the show. (laughs) (laughs) It just appeared. (laughs) They did a good job of hiding that this was going to be how that would go because I had no idea from those ads that this was, that would be that. Yeah, that's true. It's fair. I actually... Guess I knew that there was a new Mighty Ducks series, but like I hadn't seen any ads for it. Mm. Mm-hmm. And to be honest, I mean, I've seen the Mighty the original Mighty Ducks movies one and two, but they were never things that I was so excited about mm-hmm. or obsessed with. They they were just things I have watched. I so. loved those movies when I was a kid. <laughs> mm-hmm. Never yeah. got me to play hockey though. But maybe that was a product of my environment also, being in Arizona. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Oh, yeah. Well, I mean, so, you know, my brother played inline hockey all while we grew up. I, like, my high school job was scorekeeping for the hockey leagues in town. So, and it's very different. Ice hockey and inline hockey are vastly different things because mm-hmm. you can't do full contact mm-hmm. on concrete. That's how people no. end up dead. That'd be bad. Um, <laughs> <laughs> yeah, they say that, but basketball has no pads whatsoever in a hardwood floor. As a person there's who played basketball, there's a lot of concussions, and those elbows are not, they're not dull, elbows. they're sharp. Yeah, you can get a lot more speed and velocity on skates than you can just running. You tell that to Michael Jordan. <laughs> well, even Michael Jordan, I think, could get more velocity going himself on skates but in any case plus if you've got the padding on it's easier you don't feel the pain of checking somebody as much but in any case yeah so it was I mean I'm sure we'll end up watching it again and I'm sure for a certain demographic it's really going to be great but to me it falls into the same category of a lot of current shows which is they're just reboots of they're just trying to do the same thing over again and recapture the magic mm-hmm. and I don't know that this has done that mm-hmm. That's I don't fair. Know. Mitch watched it with That's me fair. so he's probably got a very different take on it I mean I don't think I have that different I, I didn't find it cringy but I think it follows more of the Little Giants storyline than it does the Mighty Ducks. Uh, Mighty Ducks, the original movie, follows like Coach Bombay and his story of like coming to terms with who he is. Uh, I think this one's going to be more of the kids coming to terms with who they are and who they can be. Uh, so, so Karate Kid, the new series. Yeah. Oh my yeah. God. Or it's more like Little Giants. Like, it, it they <laughs> literally do the same scene of walking around, finding a kid to be on their... Because they need at least six people six to be people. on their team. Yeah. Mm. And they find six people, spoiler, uh, before the end of the first episode. But, like, you see all the other teams that are out there, and they have a roster full of, like, 30 kids. So, I don't know how exactly this is going to work with only six kids playing... The whole time on the ice, they have to add extra kids as they'll they have There's to. Just, there's yeah. no other way. Yeah, they're going to get people from the actual, like the actual Mighty Ducks, who are going to defect. 
I mean, there's already the the, the ground setup for that. yeah the ground support for that. Uh, one of the characters. No, but like I mean, in ter- I don't know how you couldn't find it cringy. Like they, there's that whole speech of the mom trying to walk out on ice, and if you've ever tried to walk in like regular shoes on an ice rink, like you look and feel ridiculous. And so she like walks out there and starts ranting at the coach. No, you don't bother. No, you don't bother. And like just kind of makes this whole scene and gives this whole speech about they're going to go home and sit on the couch and eat cheese balls, which have no actual cheese. And these parents are ridiculous and so on and so forth. And then there's scenes about her cutting up her, her kids' grapes, even though he's in middle school. And then there's the whole scene. Wait, what? Of, that was a really bad choking hazards, man. It's literally <laughs> the size. Like seeing grapes, or why do you have to cut the grapes? I don't understand. Because they're choking hazards, just like Jessica said. Yeah, they when they're, they're seeded grapes. Like the no, perfect, just no, regular unseeded grapes. Regular unseeded grapes are like the perfect size to fit into your windpipe. What's wrong with your dumbass kids? <laughs> and then there's the whole scene of the kid getting on the lunch table doing the whole like I don't find that cringy like I don't understand why you call it cringy it's It's so uncomfortable that's literally all kids movies (laughs) and yes most of them all family movies have that scene (laughs) and then they do the whole flying V and then they all fall on the ice (laughs) that's in front of everybody but that's hilarious yeah if, if it's like a kid doing it or something where they're learning the lessons that make us adults you know i'm okay with it if it's an adult like michael scott doing the things that he does that i cannot watch yeah that would be cringy i still feel secondhand embarrassment for those poor kids (laughs) you are very fair on that secondhand embarrassment then yes i get secondhand embarrassment but not in those situations no i i get yeah no i'm yeah (laughs) We'll just leave it at that. Okay. <laughs> so that was on Disney Plus. It's the first episode that just came out this week. Uh, I don't know how many episodes they're going to be having. Uh, okay. Steven, what did you watch this week? I watched a couple different things this week. Um, so one of those things I finally was able to get access to be able to watch Superman and Lois episode one. Ooh. Nice. It was good. It was good. Um, I don't think it. It doesn't. It doesn't do anything that was like. I, nothing was a big unexpected moment, in any way, shape, or form. You so, know. So Stephen, like, I have to interrupt real quick because the audience can't see Mitch's like shaking his head at you and being like, "What? It, it, what?" It, it was yeah, complete disbelief that I only came in like at, at like, like a six. <laughs> I, it, it had me set up to be excited for the rest of the series. But the the opener for this was like, okay. Again, the production value is great. The production the value. That they're doing with it. Like they're, they're doing good things so far. It's just, these are the things that I would have expected them to have to do to move this Superman into their own show away from the CW verse so far. Oh. But I, I, I like what they're doing with it. I do wish it was a little bit easier to watch. Mm-hmm. Yes, like just to to be able to watch it, not to not like you had a hard time watching it, just like mm-hmm. you had a hard time getting to watch accessing. it. Yeah, accessing. Yeah, it. yeah. I I paid for it. I bought an episode. <laughs> <laughs> uh, I think that 
this show is probably obviously the biggest result change from the crisis on infinite Earths crossover event mm-hmm. that they had. Uh, I guess that was back in 2019 now, which um, is crazy. Yeah. <laughs> the idea that the Superman, that the Superman and Lois played by the same actors uh, before the crisis are not wholly different, but very much in a different situation coming out of the crisis. They have two mm-hmm. teenage sons that, you know, weren't there before. Not that they know that they didn't have them before. They, it, to them, they've always had the, the two kids, the two sons. Mm-hmm. Uh, but I think they, it, it's very much a great way in setting this apart from the other Superman shows that have come out before. And even setting it apart from Supergirl, which was already a CW show. Because mm-hmm. uh, honestly, when they did the Supergirl show, they they just took a lot of Superman storylines when there's already a bunch of Supergirl storylines they should have been using. Uh, yeah, so absolutely. Using Superman storylines. Now they had, for the Superman show, they had to create a new obstacle for them to, to, <laughs> to deal with. Interestingly, though, the end of that first episode puts us firmly mired back in normal Superman stuff. It's weird. Yeah. Yeah. I, I assume you're talking about with the, the character that re- is revealed. Let's, yeah. Yeah. I mean, it, we're, we're a few weeks into the show being out and everything, but I'm still not going to spoil that one. Yeah. So. Uh, but no, the, then the other thing, well, I should say, it's good. Go watch it. Hopefully you don't have to pay for it, but watch Superman and Lois. It's a good time. Uh, the next thing that I watched this week was the first three episodes of Amazon's animated series, Invincible. All right. Invincible. Invincible. Oh, <laughs> uh, honestly, it's a great time. It's a great time. I. It's weird because I think they're doing a really good job of balancing the two halves of what this series actually is, which is this like, coming-of-age, animated, brightly colored series. And then also, like the, like, Oh my god, that that was grotesque in some of those fight scene moments. Oh yeah. But in such stark opposition or a stark contrast to the boys where the first time a person got just pulped on screen, I was like this show isn't for me. And I turned it <laughs> off and I left even though it was free for me to watch. <laughs> But Invincible, when the people got messed up, as they invariably do in this, I was just like, oh, damn, that was crazy. The way that they like, whew, no, that's how physics would work. Okay, yeah. Um, I liked it. It's really good. And honestly, the thing that's the best about it is that it's 42 minutes an episode. <laughs> that's one of the greatest things for this, because honestly, I don't get to watch something that's animated, animated well for 42 minute long blocks like that that was that's really refreshing even though we got three episodes all at once and then i have to wait for however long each time they come out but it was really good um i was a little bit thrown off by seeing or uh, hearing jason manzoukas's voice come out of anyone that doesn't look like him (laughs) (laughs) but it's a good series. I, I highly recommend it for anyone who likes superhero things. Um, anything that's trying to deconstruct superhero things, even though we are a little bit farther along that path of trying to deconstruct those things than we were when the series even started uh, as comics. I think some of the things were a little bit past, but it's a really good version of that. And I really enjoyed it. Yeah. 
uh, Robert Kirkman created a, a very interesting story uh, with that character. Um, they also were able to find animators that were able to capture like exactly what uh, the comic book looks like looks like to me. <clears throat> and and in explaining this to a person this week or this yeah this past weekend, I was like, you just like even if you think that this show's not for you, make it to the very end of the first episode. Yes, you're either going to be hooked or you're going to be like, this isn't for me. Like, yeah. And don't think that halfway through that episode, you know what this is doing. And so it's okay to call your 10 year old in. It's not. No, this is very much not a <laughs> oh. show, an animated show for kids. It is a adult animated show. I, have heard of the turn. I think that's one thing I keep on hearing about is that it turns at the end of the first episode. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. There is also a character in there that um, both Naima and I were like, so that character in this particular moment and scene looks pretty much exactly like Elizabeth, right? <laughs> and it was very interesting. <laughs> the, the one with the mace. When, when she first pops in and you first oh, see her face. Yeah. Okay. Yeah, a lot. <laughs> yeah. I mean, I didn't see it because I'm too close to her, but. It's true. Uh, now I'm intrigued. <laughs> <laughs> you could enjoy the show. <laughs> No, yeah, and no, no, no. I don't intend. I, I, I'm not intrigued about the show. I'm you pretty sure the I'm not. One frame. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I'm so curious yeah, how I, rec- other I recommend that one. Me. Um. <laughs> so yeah, uh, it, it's 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 very much that, and then you know the the parody of the of the Superman mm-hmm. story, which is also interesting. And perfect voice casting for everyone. They cast a wide net for the voice casting, and it serves them well, I think. Honestly, I want to ask you a question, and this goes to anybody that that is a big animation person. Um, How do you feel, because this show is voice cast with a whole bunch of regular, I don't want to say regular, but just regular actors, Uh, whereas instead of using traditional voice actors that do all these animated shows like the like to me it's it's even the smaller characters like the character you're talking about jason manzoukas plays like he's not mm-hmm. that small but he's you know rex explosion rex explode yes yeah, uh, rex. <laughs> yeah or even uh alan the alien like that's done by mm-hmm. seth rogan like these are all yeah. big names big names so mm-hmm. i, I this is i mean doesn't that mean like there's these voice actors that should have been doing these roles that are not doing them now it's interesting because some of the characters that are in there like some of some of the voices that are in there they still have ashley johnson that's in there they have uh, uh, d bradley baker um i forget his name clancy brown um but see i I think of clancy brown as a as a movie actor like i've seen him in a lot of movies the opposite Really? So, yeah. But I guess I didn't watch Highlander. So you I'm did. Like, mm, yes. <laughs> huh. But yeah, no, they have a lot of people who are still like tried and true, just voice actors in things doing the roles that you expect them to do. D Bradley Baker is doing a bunch of voices that are deep voices. Mm-hmm. Um, like there's, there are people who are in there who are still balancing it out in such a way that I'm okay with it. Um, I also kind of feel like the people they chose that are big names mm-hmm. are still people who have also had a lot of voice acting experience aside mm. from a couple like yeah. J.K. Simmons is in there. Um, I'm I trying mean, to the original the voice of the, of the yellow M&M, J.K. Simmons. <laughs> <laughs> uh, 
Okay. It's just th- th- there are a, a good chunk of voices in there who I think have still earned their kind of place, as messed up as that sounds. So but I do wish there were more voice actors who were just doing voices for things. Yeah. So it's it's not like the Lion King that came out recently. <laughs> no, it's where yeah, it's, they clearly should have put some voice actors in there or yeah. done some voice acting training for some people. Yeah, like there are definitely some times where it's a big misstep and everything. But these people, I think, all have good resumes for this. Jason Manzukas has been doing like even what Big Mouth, I think he did. Um, mm-hmm. He did what's a uh, close closer together. Yep. There's they they have good stuff to them. So okay, that I'm just curious because mm-hmm. I, I don't watch a lot of animated stuff. All the Disney stuff should be cast with other people though. Like Disney, you're messing up. <laughs> <laughs> So, Invincible is the first three episodes are available right now on Amazon uh, Prime Video, and Superman and Lois is on CW. Jessica, mm-hmm. what did you watch this week? I have regrettably continued watching Marvel cartoons <laughs> on Disney Plus. Um, I finished. It's only one season. Uh, I keep on wanting to say Quicksilver. It's Silver Surfer, oh. which is a '90s one. Yes, which it combines cell and computer animation back when computer animation was a new thing. It's not a great combination. <laughs> it's, <laughs> it's very obvious. But in um, Silver Surfer, at least it's mainly like Galacticus. That's like completely computer animated and it's obvious. So it's kind of okay for him to look so separate from the world because you're like, he's Galacticus. Okay. That's fine. Um, I mainly watched this one because Silver Surfer, I don't know anything about other than that one Fantastic Four movie that everybody hates. (laughs) (laughs) That's like my only thing about Silver Surfer. And I really, with how Marvel is going to be like seemingly in space from now on, I also don't know anything about any of the space heroes. So it was cool to see like Adam Warlock is in an episode a different version of ego as a planet is in the episode. So I was kind of sort of like, okay, that's cool. And there's Drax of destroyers in it, but it's a completely different version of him too. And then, um, Oh, the watcher, which is like the biggest one I always heard referred to, but I was never like, who's the watcher. And it's, he's kind of sad and, Made me sad. Um, Everyone's sad in Silver Surfer Reverse. It is. He's so sad. Um, the only thing that really actually bugged me is that it's just a lot of inner monologue. Like it's a lot of Silver Surfer talking to himself about trying to find Senla. I must find <laughs> Senla. I'm gonna miss Pip, but I need to find Senla and Shilaba, his girlfriend. And I'm just like, what? And but like by far my favorite part was like I had read before about like Thanos in the comics being kind of sort of different in his motivations. So actually seeing Thanos wanting to destroy the universe just because he's in love with it's Lady Chaos in this. I know in the comics, I think it's death, right? Yep. It's just straight up death. Yeah. Yeah. And (laughs) it's just she's like a statue in his ship and he's like i'm reversing time and destroying the universe for you why won't you talk to me is this not good enough and it's like seeing that version of thanos compared to like the last version of thanos that i had in which he was like willing to sacrifice his adopted daughter 
to save the universe by destroying half of it, whatever. It was just such a contrast that I was like, wait, what? Like, what is this? I like this. Like, this is insane. It's, I, I learned a lot. I, I don't regret watching that one. That one I was like, okay, cool. But it was a good, quick, like, I think I watched it like an hour a day within a week, probably. So it didn't take me long at all. Mm-hmm. Um, and... Then I got to, and I'm still kind of watching, mainly falling asleep during Iron Man. Mm. <laughs> and that's rough, buddy. Like, that's just, it's Iron Man's real bad. rough. It's, that's another one that blends um, Cell with computer animation, but it's so bad. I keep on wanting to put a video of it on, like, my Twitter account of Iron Man's transformation because it's literally like he starts his Sailor Moon (laughs) transformation and then it cuts to computer animation for him to like zap his helmet on and it looks like a completely different thing that I'm just like I literally looked at I was like what is that like what just happened and why is that a thing that happened but the worst thing about it is how adult it is and not adult, it is. Like, it is seriously stock full of innuendos. <laughs> like, there's, like, the that, opening... That was Tony Stark at yep. the time. Yes. Yeah. But it's it's not just Tony Stark. It's all, like, the female characters in the show, too, are, like, just hitting on Tony Stark, like, left and right, or fighting over Tony Stark. Like, jealous... <sighs> literally, mm-hmm. Spider-Woman and Scarlet Witch are fighting over the attention of Tony fucking Stark. And I'm like... What? what (laughs) i got to that i was like what the am i watching like what is this like war machine is right there (laughs) i don't get it it's no it's just it's weird and then his physical therapist because i guess i didn't know this about tony stark but apparently he's he was shot in the spine and he needs physical therapy or something is wrong with his spine oh i didn't know this part I'm not fully paying attention. And that's why I was like, why is this so like sexual forward? Because it starts with him doing his physical therapy, basically in a hot tub with this physical therapist that is wearing a bikini as physical therapists do. And she's mm-hmm. like hitting on him. And I, I'm like, what is this? <laughs> it's weird. It got, so at this point in time, this was when Marvel was like, they were just coming out of or going into bankruptcy. Just going into. <laughs> they had, they, going this, into, they yeah. had to sell off everything. This is yeah. when they sold off Fantastic Four, Spider-Man, and X-Men. Okay. All it right. was a dark time. <laughs> yeah, it's it's dark. I will say the one thing that I got from this so far is I now understand why people were so pissed off about Mandarin in the MCU. Mm. I was like, because... I was like, okay, I probably would be pissed off as well if I read the comics. Like, yeah. that is a dramatic change. The guy has rings that can change the universe. Like, what is? <laughs> <laughs> but it's, it's, it's a thing I'm watching. I don't know which one I'm gonna watch next. <laughs> I think you do yourself a favor and maybe watch something else. I understand you're yeah. on a mission right now, but I am you on don't a have mission. to. I was gonna say you might. said it. You said earlier the the bad Fantastic Four movie. I'm like, you're going to be be more specific, but you put in the <laughs> Silver Surfer oh, part. So the one with the Silver Surfer yeah. that was the bad one. I completely forgot all about that one. other movie that came out a few years ago. <laughs> uh, so yeah, I assume all and all these shows are available on Disney Plus still. 
Yep. Maybe I'll do the Hulk next. <laughs> oh God. Are the short, the, the movie, um, animated movie, the Hulk versus ones, are those available on Disney Plus also? Do you know? It's, it's Hulk versus Wolverine and, and yeah, like from the late 2000s or I late aughts. Think, I don't think I've seen those. Yeah, yeah. I don't think there's not a lot of newer Marvel animations that I've seen. They don't, there's don't, the newer like there's the newer shows that are on like Disney XD are on there like the newer Guardians of the like Galaxy about, honestly it feels a, like almost like that kind of thing the animation's a little bit more adult than that but I wouldn't huh. be surprised if they put those on in like the next wave of stuff when they actually introduce mutants Mitch if that makes sense uh because mm. it mean it seems like a targeted release that's fair yeah, this, it was just. I think it was just two movies. It was it was Hulk versus Wolverine and Hulk versus. I want to say Deadpool, but I can't remember who the other one was or not. I remember reading the comic though when when they got the stuff they pulled for the Hulk versus Wolverine one. Yeah, that comic was nuts. I was a freshman in high school. Ooh. <laughs> he pulled he, him in half. He did. He did because the Ultimate Universe <laughs> Wolverine is is not as strong as the Wolverine from 616. So <laughs> he was still able to pull himself back together though, which is the interesting yeah, part. He climbed up a mountain. <laughs> uh all right, there you go. John, what did you watch this week? Well guys, I know you guys have been waiting for this. Uh, <laughs> over on our sister podcast, uh, the VHS Gems, we decided to yeah. give a whirl with the old Flash Gordon from 1980. Oh, God. The old uh, Sam Jones, <laughs> Max von Sydow uh, movie. Classic. Definitely cult status. Um, <sighs> and I've been on kind of a VA, uh, of, I guess, uh, leftover from that. I've been on a Flash Gordon kick. Uh-huh. So I did some research. And if you listen to that podcast, I really recommend mm-hmm. you do. Um, Jess came up with a suggestion that Flash Gordon... It's probably one of the few movies that would have been improved by being a straight-up porno. <laughs> he goes, that would have made more enough. sense. Jessica, so this <laughs> yeah. is your fault? This is your fault, it Jessica. Is. It really is. Watch the movie. It would make more sense as a porno. I'm not wrong, okay? <laughs> <laughs> and I'm here to prove that she is, in fact, correct. So um, thank you for... Thank you for the inspiration. Um, but before I get too far ahead of myself, I actually started with Life After Flash, which is a uh, documentary produced by Sam Jones, the star of Flash Gordon. Um, I think as some sort of therapy for himself. Uh, it, you know, it, it basically talks about making Flash Gordon and then the 25 odd years in between before he started becoming relevant again. And uh, yeah, there's a lot of those moments where they talk about his hard times, how he came close to like killing himself, how he picked himself back up. <clears throat> you know, it talks about his military history, his family history, um, which apparently really is tragic. It's like I was like, "Damn, dude! Like that's that's rough." And um, yeah, it talks about how up until he was kind of brought back into the cultural awareness. Um, he eventually just gave up on show business altogether, except for the odd appearance at a comic convention. Um, he was actually doing like security transportation along the border in uh, San Diego and Tijuana. Huh. I was like, really? And like the way that they were showing the documentary crew on the ride along, and it was like you're watching Sicario or something. It was like <laughs> these guys are like super serious about their work, and it was like, hey, we, we don't talk to 
you know, brag or anything, but we're totally strapped right now. If anything goes down, we're ready. And I was like, damn, Flash, calm down. You know? <laughs> <laughs> like, just chuck a football at him or something, you know, they'll need to bring the guns in. And um, so <clears throat> I was inspired by the suggestion that, you know what, maybe Flash Gordon could have worked as a porno too. So I decided to Google it. And I decided I had to watch the movie that I found. It's called Flesh Gordon. Oh. Primarily because it came out in 1976. Which is before yes, Flash Gordon this, came out. This movie is based on the serials of Flash Gordon, not yeah. the movie, because it came out before. Yeah. And I have to say, I really liked it. It was so enjoyable. <laughs> Jess was absolutely 100% right. Think of Flash Gordon like a space Game of Thrones, and you kind of understand why it makes sense that it has uh, nudity and some sexuality in it, because that's basically what it is. Like, those 1930s serials and comic strips, like, think your John Carter's of Mars and you know things like that nature. These were pulp serials, and they were definitely aimed at, you know, at an older audience. I mean, I kids could read them too. Any, I don't remember any boobs in Prince Valiant. No, there are definitely no boobs in Prince Valiant. But <laughs> Prince Valiant could also be updated, and um, I would say that it could be much improved because that haircut isn't doing him any favors. Trust me, she looks <laughs> like Uma Thurman in Pulp Fiction. Yeah. But so, I I posted a challenge earlier today in our little Geeks Watch uh, group chat. I said, which of these scenes looks like it came from Flesh Gordon, and which one looks like it came from Flesh Gordon? Only one person answered, and Mitch, I have to tell you, you were wrong. Uh, I figured I was, but the one that the one I picked to be Flash Gordon looked like it had more production value. That's why I did it. But I'm assuming exactly. That, yeah, I'm assuming that's the that's the catch. I would argue that yes, the 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 porno of Flash Gordon was done with a little bit more heart and a little bit more fealty to the source material. Because if you watch them, they're actually not that dissimilar. I was kind of shocked. I'm like, holy shit. Like, technically, the 1980 Flash Gordon movie could have been based on this porno, and they just took out all the sex scenes and cheapened the production value. What if they used the props? (laughs) What if they used the props? Yeah, just use the costuming and the props from Flash Gordon. It would have looked better. <laughs> oh God! That's what I'm saying. He's like, I'm, I'm astutely shocked that this movie was so damn entertaining and as high a quality, in quotations, might I add, as you know, compared to the actual Flash Gordon movie, which like had like a big studio funding it, you know, behind it. Um, you know, this was hot on the heels of the the big sci-fi uh, renaissance with Star Wars and Star Trek and Close Encounters. I mean, this movie should have been like epic in scope and quality. And honestly, it wasn't that far removed from what the porno parody that came out six years before it came out being. I was just like, wow, like this <laughs> is impressively. I, I mean, I, I I'm t- I'm I'm more disappointed in the actual movie, but I'm more impressed by the porno version of this movie. I do like that they adapted it first. That's an interesting <laughs> wrinkle. Yes, that's yeah. interesting. I would like to know that if you have not listened to our other podcast, VHS Gems, this particular episode, or if you have not watched Flash Gordon, the reason why I said the thing is there's literally lines in which like, the princess character is like, ah, I go to my, um, what is it, pleasure planet, 
all the time and she wants flash gordon to be alive because she wants him and then also just flash gordon himself is just attracted to every single good looking woman on the planet even though there's clearly one love interest like he flirts with it it's like it just feels <laughs> like <clears throat> without sex scenes in it you're just like why is this the writing of it? That's what did like the writing. It's, it's just oh, yeah, the writing is 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 definitely poor in quality. I would say yeah. like that's one of the reasons why it's like well, I might as well go full hog and just have nudity in it. Which by the way, Jess, I was gonna bring this up earlier and I forgot until just now. But mm-hmm. um, you mentioned how you weren't exactly thrilled by how unenlightened and unprogressive the portrayal of females were in the Flash Gordon movie. Oh yeah, another thing well, about Borna. That extends further into the behind the scenes because listening to some of those cast, uh, former cast of the movie talk about the female presence on the set, I'm like, oi, that would not go well in today's Me Too society. Um, uh, apparently, I didn't notice I this, think- but in the actual movie, there's a scene where the leader of the Hawkmen walks up behind Dale, like the main female protagonist, uh-huh. and like she does this like screech, and, like she jumps up, like something hit her from behind. Yeah. And so it turns out that the actor actually said, oh, yeah, so like that one scene where she jumps up suddenly, that's because I walked up behind her and I straight up goosed her like right up her ass. Like that's how Dude. he said it in the documentary. Dude. And they left it in the movie. Like everybody thought it was funny. And so I was like, yep, we're keeping that take. I was like, uh... wow. Goodness. And then some of the extras talking about the, the, uh, the princess Aura. They're like, yeah, I was a young guy. I was checking her out, and I was like, man, she's a total babe, and blah blah. blah. Just totally, yeah. I was like, ooh, yeah, this 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 thing's bad. <laughs> this was not uh, good times for yeah. the female cast, apparently. Yeah, no, that it was the eighties. Is I mean, it was yeah, right at nineteen eighty, absolutely. But yeah, so moving away from that horridness, uh, the porno was just it's 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 almost kind of charming <laughs> because. I mean, the the rocket. I mean, it says something when I feel like there was more equality and respect on the set of a porno film than there was on the actual film. Like, I think the cast was possibly treated better because everybody, like, there seems to have chemistry. Um, I don't know. I could be wrong. I mean, this was, you know, almost 50 years ago now, but yeah, that, uh, the, there's is there's just like this really charming quaintness to it. Like it doesn't even feel dirty. Maybe I'm just justifying it to myself. But like the spaceship <laughs> is shaped like a phallus. You know, like there's stop spaceships are. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> no, this is this is blatant. This is like got oh, a curve in it and everything. Have you seen the SpaceX rockets? <laughs> Have you seen okay. aliens from aliens? You know, I'm, I'm going to yeah, post another comparison. And uh, actually, yeah, going back, have you seen those little pots that they have in Man of Steel? Those things are straight up butt plugs. <laughs> I don't know. I said something about Zack Snyder. But anyway. <clears throat> there has yeah, to be a so, way to get off this topic. <laughs> <laughs> yes, uh, I will bring it to a brief Thank finale you. here in just a moment. Um, this movie was so weirdly charming that I wanted to suggest a Discord group watch and have, like, a rip tracks for it. What? No! Which which one? I think I'm out. (laughs) That's not gonna happen. (laughs) 
this this movie deserves it. Either one. I'm actually open game. We can do both. Let's do a marathon. No. <laughs> I think I'm busy that weekend. <laughs> <laughs> I haven't said which forever. <laughs> Thank you, John. <laughs> I'm, I'm sorry, John. I think I think that's going to be a group no right there. Negator. Uh, well, I'll, I'll host one anyway. If anybody wants to jump <laughs> in, you know, feel free. There you go. There you go. On John's personal server. <laughs> if, if anybody wants to find these comparison pictures that you said that you were going to post, where would they find you on the internet, John? Uh, you know what? I'll put them on my Twitter. I'll definitely uh, bring that back at the end. Okay. Did you happen to check out the the sci-fi channel uh, Flash Gordon that was like late 2000s? I've seen the I've seen the trailers for it. I have not actually seen it, and that's actually another point I wanted to bring up, just to move away from the porno subject. Flash Gordon is odd to me because it's been around since the 30s, and except for like the 60s, there's been some kind of a Flash Gordon project always like out there. Like there's mm-hmm. the serials from the 30s. The comic strip has been kind of ongoing. There's been a couple of movies in the 50s. Of course, there was the 70s porno, and then the 1980s, uh, you know, actual live action film. And then in the late 80s, we had Defenders of the Earth, which featured a bunch of different comic strip characters, including Flash Gordon, mm-hmm. the Phantom, and Ming. Uh, or no, who's it? Some magician guy. I forget his name. Um, and then in, yeah, in the 2000s, we had that sci-fi original Flash Gordon, which looked kind of awful. Um, but I had never actually seen it. So it just surprises me. And then, of course, Ted brought it back um, into the mainstream with the uh, Sam Jones version and probably made it semi-popular again for a short time. So it's just, it's weird that it's one of those properties that's just persistent, but never seems to really break into, like, massive appeal. Yeah. I think there, there's always some kind of, like, warmth and love for the old, like, kitschy serial, you know? I guess the <laughs> okay. Last time I'm going to bring up the porno. Um, <laughs> it it begins with a little kind of like a disclaimer, and it says, "Hey, in the 1930, uh, in the late 1920s to 30s, we were in the throes of a huge depression. People wanted escapist fantasy and adventure. Thus, mm-hmm. Flash Gordon was born. You know, here we want to honor the spirit of it, but you know, we're also adults and we want to make a you know this kind of a movie. So, like, you know, this isn't meant to you know." piss off anybody we're just here to have a good time and so like please enjoy this you know this version of like you know the beloved character or whatever and it actually begins like the the 1978 superman or is it 79 where like it has a bunch of like art from the comic books or the comic strips and it's like really well done credits i was really really shocked i thought Um, you were gonna say that they were gonna have like the the warnings like Disney Plus has for some of their old stuff. They're like, this porn features stereotypes that we now know are harmful. Oh, no, yeah. They, they definitely, I mean, anything that can be exaggerated is, and that includes the bad stuff. So, yeah, like, this is not a good movie for, you know, good representation. Let's put it that way. But um, I've said enough. I feel like everybody's ready to move on. So I'm going to leave it at that. And um, if you like Flash Gordon, definitely check out Life After Flash because it does a pretty good comprehensive uh, history. They talk to a lot of famous people. Brian May is in it and plays the song on a piano. It's really cool. They talk to a lot of, you know, current movie people like James Gunn and some of his actors. And 
Robert Rodriguez. Uh, yeah, it's it's all over the place. It's got some good stuff in it. So, so okay. where is it that people can watch Life After Flash? Life After Flash is available, uh, I believe it's on Amazon Prime. And if you want to find Flash Gordon, then just Google it. You'll find it. <laughs> okay. There you go. Uh, for my week's watch, I watched uh, Amazon Prime original. Also, I watched... Um, What's it called? It's called The Map of Tiny Perfect Things. It is uh, an adaptation from a short story from Lev Grossman. Uh, It is, once again, following the trend of right now uh, time loop movies or time loop stories. Uh, Just like, what was the one with Andy Samberg that came out last year? Uh, Oh, Santa Claus. Santa. Nope. 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 Pulp, no, it's, Palm it's Springs. Palm, Palm Springs. Springs, yeah. that's right. Yeah. <laughs> so, Palm Springs, Happy Death Day, uh, obviously Groundhog's Day, Edge of Tomorrow, all of these movies, except for Happy Death Day, are referred to in this movie. They're like, oh, you're doing a Groundhog's Day thing. And he's like, yeah. Uh, both actors are playing 16-year-olds, the two leads, but they're actually in their mid to late 20s, and it, it kind of shows. Um but other than that, it is a very cute love story uh, between the two actors. Uh, a kind of interesting little twist at the end. Uh, not, I mean, it's not like a big plot twist, but it is a character twist. So it's it's cool to to see that. I would recommend it. Um, but it was for me, it was more of a it was something that was on while I was doing something else. Like it wasn't, it didn't hold my attention enough for me to not be doing something else, but it also didn't lose my attention that I didn't care. How, how did it compare to what I'm assuming is the last thing you watched that was by Lev Grossman in the magicians did not know this was the same person. Yeah. Same writer. Wow. So, uh, I mean, I like, I've only seen the first two seasons of the magicians, but I would definitely say that engrossed me more than this, this movie did. Hmm. Uh, but but then again, the, those those that sh- TV show you can you get a lot more character development. You get to you get to f- yeah. fall in love with those characters a lot more than you do in this uh, less than two hour movie. Okay. Um, one thing that always gets me about the time loop movie episode story, whatever it is, and I know that someone somewhere, I don't know if it was the director or the writer of the movie Groundhog Day that came out and said that they knew how many days. Bill Murray's character was stuck in the in the time loop. Yeah. But it always gets to me is that like how many days this person is in this thing and how many different ways they experience something. Um and most of the time it brings a tear. Like it really does. Like I just think about having to do the same thing every day and nothing changing. Uh it it, it makes me sad. So high school is hard for you. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. uh, when this character has to deal with that, or at least brings up that kind of confrontation, I did find that interesting. So uh, yeah. it's the same thing that Andy Samberg is like at one point, he's like, I don't even remember what I did for a job before this day. Like, so that always gets to me. There was an episode of Le- not leverage the magicians. No, the librarians. That's what the mm. show was called where oh. one of the characters was stuck in a video game 
and he was yes. he was experiencing the video game over and over again and that one was sad right and he says i had to <laughs> oh, watch you guys die over and over and i was like yes, that's that one was so sad <laughs> i loved that show oh why'd you have to bring that up <laughs> this was, this was basically the same show. thing as the noah wiley movies Yes. So the okay. the show continues yes. that story. Noah Wiley is still the main librarian, but the library picked four alternates. Or was it four or three? Three, three alternates, alternates to take three his place. And then, and then one new, of the oh, what was she called? Like not security, but like their bodyguard. Yeah, or something? the body, the guardian. guardian. That's what she was called. The guardian. There we go. The yeah. guardian. So oh, it, it continues the story, which is kind of interesting. Uh, it kind of it kind of becomes like. America's version of Doctor Who. It's yeah. the librarian yeah. instead of the instead of the doctor. So hmm. uh, yes. Um. But yeah, that, I I always think back to that episode of the librarians where that <laughs> that character had to experience that and lose his friends over and over again, which would be harder. Uh. But oh, the other one was was uh, Boss Level, which I just recently watched. Also, that on mm-hmm. Hulu. That is also another time loop movie. So. Uh, if it, yeah, if anybody gets a chance to watch it, give it a try. Tell me what you think. Get back to me. Okay. That is on Amazon Prime. So let's get into The Falcon and the Winter Soldier, Episode 2, The Star-Spangled Man. <laughs> One thing I have to say about this particular show in comparison to WandaVision, they are not being shy in dropping the characters that are related back to the comic book. Uh, WandaVision yeah. did not have a lot of characters that are related back to the comic book. Uh, I don't feel like, but then again, there weren't a lot of characters like this one is <laughs> everybody is, is, is somebody from the comic book. So they, in this, in the first episode, we obviously got at the end, we got John Walker. Uh, mm-hmm. there was reference to the power broker in the first episode, but I think I missed it. Obviously we got flag smasher. Uh, now we have the actual name of the flag smasher in the comic books. It was Carl Mor- Morgenthau. Now it's Carly Morgenthau. Uh, yeah, Infus Nest. Infus Nest. That, is she the same actress? Yeah, dude. I had to look it up because I was like, she she carries this perfect balance of like, I I am in so much woe right now uh-huh. on her face, but then flips it to like, I'm gonna fuck you up. <laughs> um, I feel like she was also on the Hans. Too. That, that's what that's, that's what that's yeah that's what oh, Stephen okay. was saying well, oh well you know i don't i remember <laughs> <laughs> she, she had the coolest armor in quite possibly all of star wars yeah <laughs> i mean don't get don't get two of them though. started Stephen. <laughs> <laughs> i mean we just watched a whole show about people with armor and you're still saying infus nest has the, the coolest armor she's got cool armor man <laughs> <laughs> okay uh uh John Walker's best friend and and partner in this series is uh, Lamar Hendricks. Hendricks, yes. Uh, What was it? Hoskins. Hoskins. Thank you. Uh, He was known as the costume superhero battle star, as he even said his name in the episode. And Buck's like. That's it. I'm out. You, your, your ridiculous <laughs> name lie. makes it so that I need to leave. Uh, there is I an interesting someone, story behind I thought that. Someone was gonna, I thought someone was going to make a joke there. Like like Galactica. Uh-huh. Like, I really expected it from somebody, but nobody did. 
Uh, so that when that character was originally created, he was a uh, teammate of Captain America's. He went by the name of Buck uh, also because Captain America needs to have a Bucky. Uh, Dwayne McDuffie, the writer, went up to Mark Grunewald, the creator of the character, and said, hey, you don't want to call the black man Buck. That is a uh, racial term for uh, enslaved man from pre uh civil war days so he's like ah okay so yeah i'm changing the name to battlestar now uh so there's there's that character um we got to they we we got to get a little bit more about the power broker uh for those who don't know the power broker gives people powers uh usually through some type of science uh he has pills they have injections all that kind of stuff uh as we see that our flag smasher group here uh, more than likely stole their powers from the power broker. Uh, you, oh, and then the I biggest like you're gonna get to, yeah, yeah, the biggest reveal is one of the stories that I truly enjoy from Marvel Comics. It's called Red, Right, and Truth, I believe. Uh, it is, or it could, it's, it's something. It's truth. I know there's it, that's in there. It is the story of uh, Elijah Bradley who was technically the first Captain America uh, before they gave the super soldier serum to um, Steve Rogers. They tested it out, out on a troop of black infantry men uh, from mm-hmm. uh, that were mm-hmm. also world war two soldiers, just like the Tuskegee experiments. They did not go well. A lot of them either went crazy, uh, mutated to horrific like creatures. One oh. became uh, super soldier. Uh, but of course, Amer- the American at the, in the story, the American government did not want to have him represent all of America because he's a black man. Yeah. Uh, eventually, he you know he 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 does he never gets the recognition that he wants, just like we see in the show. His son goes by Josiah Josiah X uh, is a kind of a crime fighter, but more uh, in the shadows and 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 more to just help the African-American. And then his grandson is Eli Bradley, who becomes one of the young Avengers uh, by the name of Patriot. I'm assuming that's who the young man who answers the door is supposed to be. It is. Yeah. 100%. I like, so that, that means we have two or three of them. We have four, four. Who? who? So you have Cassie Lang, which is uh, Uh Scott Lang's daughter. She becomes stature. You have Tommy and Billy, uh, from WandaVision. Oh, that's that's, I counted them as one. <laughs> <laughs> that's that's um that happens to twins a lot. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> that's speed and Wiccan respectively. And then now mm-hmm. we have Eli. Oh, and then we have a, we have we have Eli who is a patriot, and then we have we haven't seen her yet, but we have Kate Capshaw, Hawkeye, who's going to be in mm-hmm. the Hawkeye TV series played by Oh, I don't know I don't why you look at me. I always forget her name. Why do I always <laughs> forget her name? Yes. Yes. Haley Stanfield. Thank you, John. Uh, so our, the, the whole team of Young Avengers is definitely <laughs> shaping up and will be here soon. I, I felt really bad. We were watching this episode. Um, so uh, Naima's brother was here, who is also a, like a comics fan. And when they said Isaiah, he was like, oh, that's who they're doing. I totally like 
slipped my mind entirely. I felt so bad. As soon as he like said the name, like he's Isaiah Bradley, I was like, ah, ah. And then like I was already like, boop, 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 boop. This is going, this is his grandson and everything. I felt so bad because just like history, I forgot this man. <laughs> it's okay. I, 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 unfortunately, I do not think they've done enough with Isaiah Bradley in the, the art Marvel universe. Um, he is at the point in in the comic version of him that he is not able to actually form sentences. He is very much uh, locked in syndrome, kind of uh, catatonic. Um, And that is because of his prolonged life because of the serum, but also the serum not being perfected yet. Mm -hmm. Um, But Eli, they are doing a lot with him, which is awesome. So I, I like who they chose to cast for, uh, for Isaiah though. Like, I also like the fact that that man gets to just stand upright and talk regularly because watching him as Martian Manhunter's dad in Supergirl for so long was rough. <laughs> it was. So that was Carl Lumbly. Uh, for those mm-hmm. who watched the Justice League Unlimited TV series, he was the voice of the Martian Manhunter in the Supergirl TV series. He was the father of the Martian Manhunter. Uh, and Carl Lumbly has just done a lot of voiceover work uh animation work for a lot of for a long time but yes he is a very big imposing gentleman or at least that's how they shot him and i was very happy about that (laughs) (laughs) um very uh yeah great great casting for that character and how did everybody feel about that storyline it obviously went right into the whole uh race Mm -hmm. issue of cops treating people of color much worse than they treat people of, of not color yeah yep <laughs> it, I, was, I think they, oh. it was an accurate representation of reality yep. that's about all that you can say about yeah, it i guess that's true it should have happened i guess mm-hmm. in order you don't want to shy away from those things when this is the story that you're going with mm-hmm. well, specifically, I, oh yeah go ahead steven oh no it's okay i'm, I'm gonna talk a lot uh, I also felt that it really did what it what was necessary to ground this back into the concept that after the blip everything went back to quote unquote normal that there mm-hmm. it was as if nothing happened so to kind of really give you grounding in why they're building this world I mean does it yeah. does it does it put more credence into the flag smashers like ideal of one world one people well that i mean the flag the the whole conversation you get with the flag smashers is we got a taste of what it could be like but after the blip the same people who were in power before became the people in power again there was nothing different Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. nothing had changed um it Mm -hmm. was as if those five years never occurred the the interesting one that I took from it were obviously they're supposed to be a sympathetic group. Like you're supposed to sympathize with them in this. And I do because that's absolutely how that would go. Uh The one thing that they do say in there is that, um, what is it? The R in the name of the group is like reintegration, right? That they, that they mention Uh the ones that they're against. It's like CRD or whatever. GRD or yeah. Global, Re- reintegration something mm-hmm. yeah they're like they said 
those guys basically only care. They, they care more about the people who came back, came back than the people who uh, were, here. were here the whole time. And yeah. yeah, they do. It says reintegration. Like it's not, they're not there for the people who were left behind for this one. The other people who the governmental leaders who were there throughout the whole thing should be the ones who are helping the people who were behind who were left behind. It shouldn't be the job of the people, this other group to necessarily just to look out for everyone in this mm -hmm. one. They should facilitate the people returning. So I don't, that one particular line of dialogue fell flat because of the fact that they had just given you the disambiguation of those three letters for yeah. me. Yeah. Well, uh, we, go ahead, Jessica. We haven't even like scratched the surface of exactly how much problems a society would have at this moment oh, because be you insane. have the people that were gone that lost five years and they don't even remember those five years and also you know just like and then also the people that had already said goodbye for five years like that's long enough to get not get over it but that's long enough to get somewhat back to normal ish i mean the other thing is you have like a whole half of the population is also feeling the same thing that you're feeling. Mm -hmm. But like the amount of trauma in this current world right now, it's just, it's so much. And they're barely, barely scratching the surface of what this would actually cause. I don't even know if they can even manage to. No, I, you, you, don't, you don't get to like, even just the idea of say, this person gets taken away in the blip, which I still hate. It's a terrible name. But <laughs> if, if that person is gone, suddenly their house is for sale. So yeah. someone else buys this house. What do you do with them when they come back? These are yeah. massive things, but it's just the way that they oversimplified it in that moment to me was, and it was a little bit rough. I like really, really think that these Marvel shows other than maybe the Loki one are really going to be dealing with the tiny little stories of the issues with the blip mm -hmm. because Ooh. you're going to get like I mean with Wanda how she dealt with her grief was a severe form of how she dealt with her grief but it was just Wanda but you did also see the town mm -hmm. and how mm -hmm. it had been destroyed during the blip because it had no economy basically and then in this one you're seeing you know um, Falcon's sister is losing her bow or her family's bow while he was gone for five years. She had to do it. You weren't there to help. Didn't know you were coming back. Um, they kind of sort of mentioned like, I feel like they mentioned in this one that they're treating the people who came back from the blip as refugees. I feel like we're probably also going to, I'm waiting till we get a character where somebody like remarried or something during the blip. And then all of a sudden their old spouse is back mm -hmm. and, what do you do? Like, what's the legality of that? Like, they did a lot. Just, there's, there's one million implications for it. Yeah, there's so much to do, but I feel like in these shows, we're going to get little bits, I guess, almost like a world building thing where you don't want to blatantly just describe the history of it and how you dealt with it and how everything, how it is for everybody, but you want to show the tiny little bits of how, oh, yeah, this is an issue. And this is like the bigger web behind the smaller plots. I guess. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Elizabeth, you were going to say something, I think in response to what I said before. Yeah. Um, I don't think it fell flat because 
often when you talk about policy and good policy, any policy you make is a government. Any policy you make will have Mm -hmm. winners and losers. Mm -hmm. And in building good policy, you have to build contingencies for the losers. And I think what they are discussing in this fact is in building this policy, in trying to deal with the reintegration, they have completely missed the second half of, yeah. okay, but we also still have to have policy for those who have been here mm-hmm. to lessen the impact on them, which you see with Sam's sister because she can't get a loan even though she's been there five years because money is too tight from everybody coming back. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So the banks aren't lending, but they aren't lending to those that were gone in the blip because they don't have any income for the last five years. Mm -hmm. So you have this double-edged sword and for a chunk of your population, if all you're doing is dealing with the quote-unquote refugees and the reintegration Mm -hmm. and you're doing nothing else, if that is where all your energy is, they feel once again left behind. I just don't know what you do for that one because one one problem was one that they had a whole bunch of time to try to kind of resolve. Like these people having been there still for five years and then very suddenly there's a whole group of people who have to be like reintegrated. So but, I, I yeah. understand how it got caught up in this one because there's there was a big conversation I and I had about the like the stimulus checks recently where for some people obviously those were going to be considerably more than what they needed in a moment, but for other people, it would be still considerably less than what they needed. Yeah. The, the one thing that it kind of, that I kind of felt for this one was that unfortunately, if they got so stuck and caught up in trying to make it scale for this person or that person, people were still going to get missed and then it wouldn't happen for 10 years, you yep. know? So no. it was like, it was, it was going to be less than perfect, but get something out the door. No, absolutely. But I, you see a lot of this same backlash that you're seeing in this show in areas where you're dealing with huge influxes of refugees, just in, in general, in, in, mm-hmm. in today's world, where economies that are already kind of on the brink, and you would have to imagine that the global economy would have been on the brink when you lose half of your workforce for five years. I mean, you just you throw everything out of whack, so everybody's already on the brink mm-hmm. who was there. Now you have this huge influx again of people in need. Mm-hmm. You are already feeling on the brink. They're now getting all the attention and the help. Everybody's mm-hmm. just trying to go back to the way it was and pretend the last five years of your life didn't exist. Mm-hmm. That's going to create tensions. And unless you're consciously trying to deal with that, which, let's face it, most governments in the globe are not going to be good at that or not mm-hmm. going to be thinking about that. You now you're, there's no way that this doesn't create conflict. Oh yeah. No, I, no. I think it's, it's interesting. They've kind of stumbled their way into dealing with like some very real world things. If they didn't intend it, they might've intended it. I don't know, but they found their way straight into a real world metaphorical powder keg for this one. Um, because there are, some massive things that are parallels in this and you make the space for you you make this this space where people like the flag smashers as bad as their name is can get lifted up well as mitch was saying when we were watching this 
The Flag Smashers may be a terrible name. Their mantra, one world, one people, sounds really lovely. Then their actions are sometimes really terrible. But then you also can't be mad at them because they're taking vaccines to people in need. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Yeah. So it's very much playing up that dynamic of one person's terrorist is another person's freedom fighter. Like, Mm -hmm. yeah, you steal from the rich, you give to the needy. You know, don't get greedy. You pretty damsels. Man, I'm good. (laughs) (laughs) Uh, So. As we saw the, with the Flag Smashers, uh, they are willing to die for their cause. As the ge- one gentleman knocked over the pole to make a time for the rest of the group to get away. It gained them like 10 seconds, right? Like yeah. nothing. They shot him with guns, which are a distance weapon. Like, why did he stop? I don't know. I don't know why. I feel, I feel like just <laughs> dropping the pole was enough. Like, he could have gotten away after that. That was... Yeah. That seemed like a mistake, but... He did. He, he sacrificed his life. Uh, I want to ask, at the end of the first episode, I feel like a few people on this podcast, as well as a collective around the world of watching this uh, series, all felt like John Walker had a very punchable face. So, yes. after you saw the very beginning of this episode, where they gave <laughs> they gave up all the, the, the description and, and story plot of his background, and then seeing him help out Sam and Buck on the top of that, uh, those semi-trucks, mm-hmm. uh, any changes in your opinion on, on John Walker, Captain America? Still a very punchable face. Still a punchable face, okay. Still punchable. <laughs> Yeah, he, I, I felt better about him for all of four minutes until he was outside honking the car horn. Yeah, that <laughs> was like, no, this guy for me too. I'm like, this guy's a yeah. No, and they, they put his, they brought his facial hair back even, and I still wanted to hit him. <laughs> Quite honestly, all I can think about in watching him is that he is exactly who the uh, commanding officer when Steve was picked would have wanted picked mm. yes. because he was a good soldier, mm-hmm. not a yes. good person, not a good human, no, a good soldier. And that's all I want. I just want a good soldier that's going to follow orders, do what I say and be a good face for the army. That's it. Yes. Yeah. That's yeah, what Captain a, America should be. He seems like a means to an end person also, which yes. is not who Steve Rogers is. No. I also, I mean, I, I, I know what you mean by the whole like hitting the siren and honking the horn while Sam and and, and Buck came out of the uh, the precinct. You also have to take into account that from the moment he like started talking to Sam and Bucky, they have only given him attitude and shit. So like he could have been a nice guy, but you can only take so much. I'm not trying to stick <laughs> up for John Walker. I'm just saying you got to take that into account. But he what did the psychiatrist do? Talk- to them well though like he, even he sh- like he showed of up course and he said, they're gonna I, give you slack yeah but he showed up and he said i i look up to you guys i'm, I'm glad to be here to work with you so, like it's exactly no, what he said but it's so patronizing i'm sorry if, if we that, got very different tones <laughs> no, like that, that speech only lasts uh, like the, the way that he said it only lasted for like two sentences put up against the even like minimal pushback from those guys it, it like that whole facade just fell and the, i feel like the real person that he is behind these like flimsy ass words that captain america is supposed to say uh-huh. we got who he actually is okay that's fair. that didn't come back up again him being that way right. for, for me the key was 
in what Sam said while they were sitting in that Jeep. And he the goes on one. about, about, you know, I, you know, I want, I'm trying to do a good job. I'm just trying to, you know, honor what this means. It's a lot of responsibility. And then he says that line, and, and it would look good if I had Steve's guys with me. And yes. Sam goes, it's Wigman. Always one too many lines. <laughs> it's always that last <laughs> line. It's always that last line. And that's what it was, was like, he, yes. Cause he almost had Sam there. Sam was mm-hmm. almost willing to be like, okay, you know what? You're right. I don't. I don't like the situation we're in. I don't like what's been done, but you seem like, okay, if, if you were truly just trying to do your best, I can't blame you for that because everybody does things a little different. But then he says that last line and it's like, mm. nope, you are not actually trying your best. That is not what's actually going on here. John, okay. how did you feel about this dude? No punchable face, but I appreciated the more backstory. So we haven't gotten into how he doesn't sound like he has any powers. Um, He is able to throw Captain Shield. Uh, We saw that in the little bit of footage they showed Uh, in the comic books. He he gets his powers from the power broker. So I don't know if that's what they're going to do here or not. And if he if he eventually is going to have powers or not. Um, Same with Battlestar. is there any any particular thing that that John Walker can do to make people actually like him? I obviously the crowds like him in in the show. They all want to take pictures with him. They want his action figure to be signed. Uh, he's on Good Morning America, which I turned to Elizabeth when that happened. I was like, yeah. "That's great synergy on Disney's part since they own <laughs> ABC." Like to just be like, "We're gonna put our own show on here." <laughs> I you think- can do it. Do it. <laughs> I think he would need to take a very large slice of humble pie and really eat those words that he had started to say to Sam and really just kind of show like, I really am trying to do my best. Like I'm really just trying to be the best I can be. I hope by the end of this that they, they pull a Jamie Lannister and make everybody care for him. (laughs) I think they're going to, I I, I, I do. I do think that we're going to like him. I don't know if he is around in a big way past the series or anything, but I think he's more likable at the end of it. Okay. See, and I don't, I don't think he's going to be likable at the end. I don't think Disney is interested in going that, that deep. I think it's nice to have a unlikable, not bad guy. Mm Mm-hmm. Because it just adds a certain level. Yeah, it gives it gives dimension. He doesn't yeah. have to be yeah. a bad guy, but he doesn't have to be likable. I like that. Yeah, I like that too. Uh, we also, at the very end of the episode, got to see the return of Captain Zemo. Uh, Daniel Brühl is playing the character again, and he is locked up in a facility. Uh, he is not under anything too... He's not like in the raft, like you know, our, 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 uh, superheroes were, uh, after civil war, but he is definitely in a maximum security facility and Buck wants to go talk to him or is it Sam? Which Buck. one? It was Buck. Buck, Buck. decided he needs to get in the head of Hydra. That's right. It was, it was Hydra. This was the whole thing. Yeah. That, how, how does everybody feel about that plan? Do you see this playing out as they're going to recruit him? He is going to be on the side of the good guys? Mm. No. No? I don't a lot about the guy. 
Yeah, I, I'm with John. I think there's going to be a That'll lot be of more. head games that it, and the information that they will actually get information out of him, but from the start, it will be bad, and they'll have to work around to the actual good nuggets of information throughout the next several episodes. I mean, the only reason yeah. he knows Hydra so well is because he just studied them. Like, mm-hmm. it's not like he was a part of Hydra. He wasn't. He wasn't that kind of bad guy. He was just. He hated the fact that superheroes killed his fa- or got his family killed indirectly. So, mm-hmm. I, I mean, myself being a huge fan of the Thunderbolts in the comic books, hope that this is the way that we get that. Like he, he's like, hey, I will help you, and then some government agency will be like, hey, you help them. How about running your own team of other criminals that we can reform? Like, I don't understand everyone's love for these uh, characters. People suicide talk about these characters squad. so much. Yeah, very much like the Suicide Squad. Okay. <laughs> no I mean, bomb I in the head, to be though. a Marvel version, but... Yep. Very <laughs> much the same. I have, have a, a line. What are y'all, some kind of Thunderbolts? <laughs> <laughs> I mean, you already have the perfect in with... Uh, Thunderbolt Ross being the Secretary of Defense or State or whatever it was in Infinity War. Now, was it the right amount of foreshadowing or was it not obvious enough when Sam suggested that um, <clears throat> it wasn't explicitly stated, but he's like, hey, you sure you want to be in a room with this guy? Implying that Nemo or Zemo could still know the words that turn on the brainwashing on Bucky and can make him, you know, become an asset instead of an ally. You know, I didn't I'm sure think that man knows those words. I was, well, yeah, I'm sure he knows those words, but I also didn't think about that, but I also felt like Shuri was able to get that out of his programming. Like that was what yeah. was yeah. happening on Wakanda. I was thinking that changed in Wakanda, yeah. However, in the in credits, when you have the animation for those in credits, you see the words there. Like they are on a piece of paper mm-hmm. that's drawn, so it might well, come into yeah. into play. He may try. He may try. He definitely try. Yeah. Oh, that'd be cool. <laughs> Any other? You could always pretend, you know, like they affected him, but then use them to his advantage and turn it around on Zemo. True. That could so definitely play out. No. <laughs> um, was there any other parts that anybody wanted to talk about in particular? I'm sorry, the couples therapy part. it was quite wonderful (laughs) yeah yeah like i i talked i just turned to elizabeth i said this is a very funny part of the show but i just felt like the actors were too much into it like they were too jokey with it like they weren't they weren't doing a good job of of separating how goofy it was from what they should have been how they should have been playing it i think i agree with this completely that's fair. I still liked it. Oh, it was it was hilarious. It was fun. It was a still fun hilarious, scene. But it definitely seemed like it was a scene that probably took a bunch of takes. That's how it felt to me. Like, yeah. No, I I I, I did appreciate. There were a lot of moments like that in this. Yeah, I did appreciate the fact that while neither of them was interested in doing this, you can definitely tell Bucky has been in therapy, yes. where Sam has not. <laughs> oh. Yes, <laughs> like the the that dynamic and the reactions to her requests and the, w- played out very well to me. I thought it was I thought it was a very good contrast. I felt mm-hmm. like there was also not enough tension 
brought up to the fact that Buck kind of had a breakthrough in his yeah. own he, yeah his he own did. And Sam just like walked it off, and I'm like, no, Sam, that was his breakthrough. Where are you yeah. going? Go back. I mean, it definitely feels like an attack on Sam, and I can understand why he would brush it off. But it, the, yes, the bigger picture is that Buck is like, yeah. well, then everybody will think that I'm, you know, that. Steve was wrong about me and I am a criminal. I am a bad yeah. guy. So Yeah. And more than do, anybody everybody else thinking about it. What if oh, I yeah. think it? Yeah. That's if the I, next if breakthrough. If I think he's wrong <laughs> about you, then yeah. I have to think he's wrong about me. Yeah. Yes. I, I mean it's a it's a good scene. It's a great it's a great it, written scene. It has it has a good dialogue line in there. Uh not as good as <laughs> grief for whatever it was now. Uh Yeah. yeah. The perseverance of love, whatever. It's, uh, but it, it's unfortunate that it didn't stick harder. Yeah. I, see, and now I feel like it might be intentionally not sticking hard because the relationship isn't that great. True. Like, because they really are kind of sort of like, you're just the friend of my best friend that yeah. I have to deal with. <laughs> like, it's, it's the... There the, is this... And now it's awkward because our best friend is not here to play referee. Yeah. <laughs> yes. yeah like the, when, when everyone's hanging out and then the one mutual friend leaves and everyone's like, yeah, now what do we do? So you, you a Cardinals fan or? <laughs> <laughs> oh, no. Okay, cool. Uh, cool. Want to play cool. some? Wait, wait, where is it again that, you know? Mitch, <laughs> yeah. Like, so did you did you guys meet in the? No. Oh, okay, okay, yeah. <laughs> Awkward. <laughs> uh, but I mean, they kind of they have shared, you know, the battlefield in quite a quite a few journeys as is already. But they've they only shared that battlefield for Steve. Okay. Yes. They never like their relationship shared. is. Yeah. There you go. Go ahead, Elizabeth. Like they. They never shared the battlefield as a team. Right. They each shared it with Steve. Mm-hmm. The other yeah. person just happened to be there. I would yeah. also say, though, that I don't think that they have this the mutual best friend. They have a mutual friend. Uh, Falcon, Sam's best friend, was Red Wing. And Red Wing is gone. Oh, <laughs> I was going to bring that up. The, the, the tragedy of, of the death of Red Wing. Yeah. And it was so unceremonious. Like she just plucked it out of the air and kneed it into pieces. Someone yeah. out there had the exact same reaction to that moment because for whatever reason they were connected, but they felt the same thing in that moment as when Hedwig died. Uh-huh. Oh. <laughs> you can't see it, but Elizabeth is very much sad. Elizabeth, <laughs> uh, like, wait. People felt two ways about Red Wing. They felt like they felt about about uh, Hedwig. They felt how the characters felt about Errol. Okay, <laughs> I don't know that one. <laughs> it's, it's, the Harry it's, the, owl. It, it's the Weasley's owl who kept running into the side of windowsills because he was blind and just. Did he dies also? Yeah. No, I think Errol no. survives. Errol yeah. survives. Oh, okay. <laughs> it's like a running joke in the background of the books. <laughs> <laughs> so uh yeah that i once that the fight scene on top of the the semi trucks was i don't i to me felt very on par with the the flying uh from the first episode the mm-hmm. the, the falcon oh, yeah. so i'm i'm glad they were spending money in each episode for 
a big set piece fight like that. I'm surprised he's not doing more uh, with fighting people like one on one using his specific kind of abilities, if that makes sense. Are you talking about Bucky? For, for Sam. Yeah, for, oh, no, Sam. for Sam. Because Sam, okay. I mean, Bucky's basically in the same spot as those guys are. Like, I hit things hard, I move fast, you know? Like, Sam shouldn't be doing that because if he loses his wings, someone's just going to, like, cave in his chest and he's done. <laughs> yeah. Like, there's, it doesn't go well for him in that situation. So I don't know why he's getting up in people's business so much. It's not just because, uh, because Bucky keeps goading him about not being in the actual shit on a battlefield. It's right. not just that. Yeah, I, I mean, know. maybe this is the way he feels that he has to prove something so he can be Captain America. Mm-hmm. Maybe that's true. Like t- taking away Red Wing and making him get in it is the first step. Yeah, uh, I did want to say <laughs> I don't understand the the reasoning behind I have a metal arm, so thus I can survive a two hundred foot fall. Like even <laughs> grabbing onto branches as you're falling, I don't think is going to protect your head. Yeah, I don't it, think it's about the metal arm. I think it, it's about the yeah. fact that like he doesn't have any super soldier serum in him, though. I thought it was implied that he did. He in doesn't. This episode. I mean, but they kept w- referring to him as they're like you. He's because he's got cyber de- cybernetic parts in him. Other than just his arm, he does have other like robot parts in him well except there there has to be something in his genes for the fact that he survived all of that like like the falling or you mean no like living all all the years everything everything the torture in world war ii where they were clearly trying to mutate him and the years and decades with hydra and he was was frozen in those well, yeah, the years is, is just because he was frozen whenever he wasn't on his, on a, his hack. But the other thing is that they what they explained in, in Winter Soldier was that it was all just mental um, yeah. uh, conditioning. I, I, like, Quick Google says he was the second successful attempt at a super soldier. According are you talking to the about Marvel's universe. According to Google. But they didn't have any serum. It said that the serum enabled him to survive the fall from the Hydra train. So he didn't have any serum in him at that time. So there, there wouldn't be anything for him to. Well, s- s- except s- I thought that's what they were trying to put into him while he was being tortured before Steve yeah. rescued him. Cause Steve found him on a medical table. This is true. You're right. I'm so confused. It says, it says specifically for the MCU, Bucky Barnes was a successful, second successful attempt. So, all right. Well then I am completely wrong and they, it's it's not something that was made clear to me. So, uh, I'm, I I was with you on this one, Mitch. I was in the same spot. (laughs) I, I will know. I didn't know it until they were highly implying it in this episode. And I'm like, okay, now things about, Bucky makes more sense over how he's survived all these things and moves how he moves. Because mm-hmm. I think what actually made me go, oh, is he a super soldier? Was when he ran after those trucks. And I was like, wait a minute. Like, yeah, he why did- is he running that fast? He did that in Civil War also, yeah. where he, where he yeah. beats out Cap on a motorcycle. I guess I <laughs> yeah. always thought that's that was the whole implication was that Bucky was not the same level as steve but that they were able to replicate some parts of it mm, yeah see i i just assumed it was robotic parts just like like black panther was running because he has a suit like in that mm-hmm. same scene so 
Well, there you the go. He, well, he, except he, does he have it from the suit or from the, f- oh, the flower? Oh, the herb. Yeah. The he, herb. The herb helps him get faster, too. Uh, so <laughs> it doesn't fall into one of Sam's top three, though. It's supposed to be <laughs> alien, android, or sorcerer. There's, honestly, the, the fact that, um, like, Captain Punchface, like, that he, that he was on board with the top three thing, that was a more likable moment for him. <laughs> he said it, un, like, un, unprompted by anyone else. So that is a thing, apparently. I, I, I wouldn't doubt that, that is something that the U.S. government is saying. Like, it is part of their debriefing of, if you're going up against a meta of any type, it's going to be one of these three. Android, yeah. <laughs> alien, <laughs> or sorcerer. The military has those kinds of, like, quick... Yes. dry like cut and dry things for yep. that stuff. Yes. So that's true. You have to. Yes. You have to. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And uh a sorcerer doesn't wear a hat. <laughs> Whereas a wizard does. <laughs> it's a good distinction. Solid <laughs> distinction. Someone did point out, however, that Bucky would have had to have read that book inside of like the first year of it being put out it was a very small run of the books in a very small area so it's, he's been a little uppity if he read it he got very lucky yeah nah, maybe it's just bucky was a book nerd and he was from new york like new york always gets yeah. like those first things there's yeah. one real specific book like bookstore that just got like one copy and he was like oh i'll pick this up i mean he was no. he was in the military he, he could have been over in london I really want to go with that. Well, Bucky. actually, it looks like a closet book nerd, and during, <laughs> that's what I really want to believe. And historically speaking, yes, if he was deployed from New York City, he would have first landed in London, where they would have done the staging before he would have been transferred over to the battlefield in World War II. So he likely did have time as a. So there's this World War One vet that wrote this book that he had to do with him being on the battlefield and he's like maybe i will read this because i'm relating (laughs) it was so the hobbit was first published in several small in in a small printing of 1500 books that arrived in english bookstores in september of 1937 like he read it in 1937 he even said that yeah no but it's such a small like a small thing and he just happened to walk into it it was probably for a girl. I'll tell you that now. <laughs> yeah. He probably like she was there, she, she was, was picking a it up. Really cute clerk That's in right. the bookstore. That's right. <laughs> oh god. All right, John, is there anything you want to add to this before we close it up? Honestly, guys, like I feel like every time I wanted to chime in, you guys were already talking about it and somebody Aww. made that same point. I'm just sitting back enjoying this. I feel like I'm listening <laughs> to this ahead of time. Like this is great. <laughs> uh well okay good I, I i hope you you did enjoy it and i hope everybody else does so if you have any opinions that you'd like to give towards me and tell me how wrong i am uh you can find me on twitter i'm at mitchipedia gem gem stands for geek elite media uh steven where can people find you online don't come find me go listen to the so many hours of podcasting that mitch and all these other people did this week about a terrible terrible movie <laughs> with Zack snyder's <laughs> justice league they did a crossover four and um, a half with, with, hours yeah oh it's so much that they've done for all this it's you do not need to come find me just go find those so just to reiterate it's uh 
it was the the real movie critic versus the cine guy over on a certain pov podcast network they are the first episode the second episode is we have issues podcast from here on the geek elite media network uh then it's the mitch and rich show for a third episode and the fourth episode is not out yet it will be out tomorrow on monday is the men of steel on the certain pov uh network as well so it was a very long conversation. Uh, we it ended was up, as long as the movie. We ended up going as long as the movie. We did not plan that. We were like, we're going to do two hours and that's it. But we just had so much to talk about. Uh, go and check out all four parts when you can. We will eventually release a four-hour video cut. <laughs> that will sh- you could see everybody uh, as they're saying these things. Uh, Jessica, where can people find you online? You can find me on Twitter as JM Bailey writes. Make sure to tune in to VHS gems with her and John. And then also on the love of pages podcast. Oh, am I supposed to advertise myself there? (laughs) I think it works. (laughs) Yes. Also the United States of women podcast that I do with Elizabeth. There you go. And then John, where can people find you online? Well, now you can find me on Twitter, Twitch, Instagram, and Discord as at Magic Bollocks. Look at that branding. Steven. No, I didn't know this was not me. It was Ian. This was Ian's buttholery behavior. This is very much Ian, I would have said. But again, on recording, I want to say a person whose Twitter and Twitch handles don't, don't always necessarily match up. (laughs) <laughs> on things and has a number at the end of their name has like that's glass houses guys it's glass houses <laughs> you know maybe he just felt bad that he couldn't get that kind of specific branding across all the different media and you know it's like i'm he's living vicariously through me is what i think yeah. he's doing I think they're, they're definitely putting some stuff out for other people to live while, oh, while they yeah. just sit back and, I, and point <laughs> i mean i do find it funny that it that Ian Flux is taken by 11 other people, whereas <laughs> Magic Bollocks? No. No one else decided to go for that one. No. Nobody would come up with that specific combination. And uh, yeah, so if you want to hit me up on Twitter specifically, because that's where I'm kind of most active nowadays, I'm starting to pay more love to that area of uh, my social networking. Um, yeah, hit me up if you want to join my exclusive Flesh Gordon uh, viewing experience. There I you go. to make it memorable. <laughs> and Elizabeth, where can people find you online? You can find me with the rest of Geek Elite Media at Geek Elite Media and our Facebook page forward slash Geek Elite Media. Check out our archived episodes of this podcast and other podcasts on our network on our website, geekelitemedia.com. Our Patreon is patreon.com slash geekelitemedia. You can get exclusive material there if you're one of our patrons. Uh, and then whatever podcast you use to listen to us, please rate and review us because it helps spread the word of our network. But until next time, this is the Geeks Watch on the Geekly Media Network saying always remember to Geek Geek out. This concludes our broadcast. Beep.